I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Tom Carpenter, singer, DJ and MD of an entertainment agency. Tom grew up in a family centered around music and had a huge passion for singing. Diagnosed with Tourette's in his early teens, Tom didn't let this stop him leaving his life of his dreams. Let me go home And love your eyes I'll be there tonight I'm coming back home Tom, it's fantastic having you here in my home in Richmond. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Tom, I'm really, I am honestly really excited. Since the moment you got here, we haven't been able to shut up. No. But before we get started on your journey, can you tell my audience um, who you are and what you do now? So my name's Tom Carpenter. I live in Bristol uh, and I grew up in Somerset. Uh, and I'm currently a singing, um, well, singing chef, a wedding singer, um, and a DJ. So I do uh, a host of entertainment. Wow, I love that. I love the singing chef bit and I love the wedding singer because that amazing film, that 80s film springs to mind. Yes. But tell me about your journey into singing. Um, for me, it was, I was 13 and was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. So I'm sure a lot of the, uh, the viewers will know what Tourette's is, but for those that don't, uh, basically it's involuntary tics. So I go up ah, and I do like a few facial things, but anyway, um, I was diagnosed with that and I also had a love for singing. I was on musical theatre on the stage since the age of six and developed a passion for it. And so um, after being diagnosed, I, I realised and found that my natural cure was the singing. So I decided to do a charity event for Tourette's Action, which is the, the UK charity for Tourette's. And we raised a few thousand pounds, we had a few hundred people turn up. So my first ever concert at 13 years old um, and it was a great event and then I ended up doing it every year and from there at around 15, 16 I then had a host of people asking me to sing at their weddings, at their birthday parties and uh, events that they were putting on and it just become a job, uh, something that I love, a passion that ended up I was getting paid to do it and you know it was sort of a, a great outcome really from something that at the time when I was first diagnosed was quite upsetting and, and it was a, a change for me and my family and quite a lot to take in to then come out of it in such a positive way was, was lovely. I mean that in itself is an amazing story but when you were first told by you, by the doctors that you had Tourette's I mean how did you feel did you even know what it was at the time? Uh, I did actually so it was actually the same year I believe or maybe the year before was Pete from Big Brother um, the, the one that used a lot of explicit language. Luckily, I never had that. Um, it does uh, come in different forms, as a lot of people say. Uh, but yeah, I, I was aware, but obviously I didn't know a whole lot about it. So all I knew was the explicit language. And uh, obviously, Pete did make it quite famous at the time. He won Big Brother, and um, I, know that, I know that it was quite a popular in thing. And people at the time thought I was kind of putting it on because of him. So I got a bit of bullying at school and went through quite a few bad periods at school. So education was never really my, my fondest years. Uh, however, um, I had a great group of friends and they helped me along with my family 
to come to terms with it and to learn about it uh, and I suppose just just get on with life and, and do the best I possibly could with it. Do you know what triggered, like what started Tourette's in the they, first place? They do say that you have a trigger mm. and I would never wish to blame this on my sister, but it might sound like I'm going to, although I, I love you, Helen. Um, basically, uh, the only thing I could think about in terms of a trigger is she left to move to Australia when I was about 11, 12, uh, just following her wedding in 2005. Um, she's now been over there 16 years, and I've come to terms with that now. But I think at the time it was quite traumatic for me. She was like a, another, another mum. She wasn't yeah. just a sister. She was kind of like a, a, a mum figure as well as my own mum. So I missed her a lot. And I was in floods of tears when she left. And within six months, the tick started. And that is what I think triggered it. But I, like I said, I, I don't hold it against her uh, because it was always there. There was always something quite different about me. So it is trauma that starts it in most people, I guess. They do, they do say that, yeah. I mean, I was also a late... Uh, a latecomer in terms of Tourette's because a lot of people get diagnosed around eight years old. So at 13, to not have been diagnosed yet, I mean, the, the teachers just thought I was a naughty kid at school, but it wasn't that, well, kind of, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, it turns out that it was Tourette's and obviously the trigger point, I believe, was where my sister moved. And obviously uh, since then, it, it, it's in a way, I went through a bad period when I was younger and it's just got better and better progressively as the years have gone on because... I'm at ease with myself. I've learned about it and ways to help it. And obviously singing is the main reason that, you know, that is over, I've overcome the Tourette's and I've learned to live with it. If we take you back to say the early days when you were suffering from the Tourette's, can you think of the low, a low point that you were at? I think a low point for me would be, I remember having a really bad day at school, um, secondary school. It was actually just before I was diagnosed, uh, but the Tourette's had already come out because it took a year to get the diagnosis. Oh, wow. So I was at school and obviously missing my sister. And I remember almost close to crying at school and, and I was sat in an IT class, IT, ICT or whatever it's called. And I was just, I had my headphones in because you weren't allowed to, but I always used to just try and get away with it. And I remember the teacher just went mental at me and that was it. I, I completely lost it. I said, right, I've had enough, got my bag, and I left. And I just walked out of the school. And that was probably the lowest moment because I wasn't a naughty kid. I would never just walk out of school. I, I you know, I'd be scared of doing that. But, yeah, I, I, ha I had had enough. I'd come to the end of, of my tether, and I left. And as soon as I got back, my mum and dad had obviously had a phone call from the school to say that I'd walked out. And I always remember this, this brought it right back round for me. My dad was on the driveway giving me a round of applause. He was like, well done, Tom. He was like, I know your teachers have been giving you a load of jit and not understanding. He said, right, let's go back up there and give them what for. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was always very supportive. And if I was having a down moment like that, he would understand along with my mum and they would bring it back round again and make, you know, a good outcome of it and understand me, whereas the teachers didn't. So that was my biggest difficulty. And the Tourette's had come out then, right? The, the Tourette's, Tourette's had certainly come out, yeah, quite badly, but obviously I hadn't had the diagnosis. 
So that was certainly my, my most difficult year was going to appointment after appointment with a paediatrician and not actually having that diagnosis to say, this is what's wrong. This is what we can do. There was none of that at that time. And so for that one year, I was seen as the naughty kid at school. I was in a detention every day and I literally had just had enough. It was so tiring and draining. By the time I got home from school, I was knackered because I try and consume myself and, and just stop myself from ticking. And then so by the time I got home, it all come out. Can you tell me about ticking? I mean, I've, I've seen the television programmes, you know, we've yeah. seen people. I've, I've not actually met anybody actually with two Have you not? No, no. Oh, right, okay. So I haven't experienced it. But what, what, what is the ticking? What does, what, what does that mean? A lot of people ask me very, you know, a lot of questions and some very strange questions, you know. When do you tick? How do you tick? Do you tick in your sleep? Um, do you tick in the bedroom? <laughs> Um, and, and all of those things are true. Yes, I do. Um, in terms of how does it feel, it's very strange. It's, I have like an internal feeling, almost like, um, not a chest pain or a, it just feels like something inside of me is growing and growing until I tick my head or, you know, squench my face up. I can't get rid of that feeling. Um, for, for an example, holding on to your wonderful, um, Sonia Morton first show mug here. Um, I, if I'm holding a glass and it's a thin glass, I get feelings in the fingertips, like I have to pinch it. And there's been numerous occasions I've been at dinners and I've smashed a wine glass all in my hand and cut on my hand. That's happened two or three times. And that's just because I have this feeling in my fingertips. And until I squeeze that glass, I'm unable to, to get that feeling away. I'm about to paraphrase and sorry about doing this, <laughs> but it sounds a bit like you're trying to expel something from your body when you're doing that. Is exactly. hundred percent. Right? It is exactly like that. It, it's like a buildup of pressure, almost like you imagine a tire. If you're filling up a tire in a car, you're putting all that air in and at some point it needs to burst. Otherwise, you know, it just, well, it just can't keep going and going. And that is how I felt at school. I would be building and building up all of this pressure inside of me. And at the end of the day, I'd get home and my mum would get the brunt of it. Oh, no. And would you swear? Yeah. Do, do um, you... There's some quite awful times I remember uh, when I was really quite young. Um, soon, well, probably around the diagnosis, around 13. I'd actually do some very strange things. There was times when I'd come back from school and I'd be built up with anger so much. I'd actually get knives out and I'd back her into a room, lock her in a room. Your mum? My mum. Half an hour in a room and I'd cry my eyes out. I'd take her out of the room and say, I'm really sorry, it wasn't me. It's almost like it was two me's. Um, and I'll have to say, that's something I'm really not very proud of. Uh, I, I'm pleased to say that that all stopped when I was about 14. <laughs> it only happened for a period of a couple of years. But it was very traumatic for me and my mum. And we have a very special bond because of that now, because we went through so much together. My did, dad was always away working. And... Did you ever physically um, no. like hit her or no, do anything? No, no, like no. There was never any physical... I never would have done that. That wouldn't be in me. It was just getting that anger out and almost scaring someone. Sounds really psychotic, doesn't it? It sounds awful. Um, but it was just what I, a stage that I went through. And I only did it to my mum, I only did it behind closed doors, when I got home after a day at school. And I think, I really do think school had a lot to blame for my behaviour. 
because it didn't help my Tourette's. It only made it worse. Did you get any discrimination or have you um, experienced discrimination because of your, your Tourette's? I've been quite lucky. I haven't experienced discrimination. I do have some odd comments or people mocking me, but, I, but they're normally people that I know. So like messing around. But in terms, yeah, I have had some, some occasions where, I, you know, pe people that I haven't known. So I might have been out in town or I, I often go into Bath or Bristol for a few drinks and pissed up people, drunk people are, you know, going up, up, up down the road as I'm going down the road doing it. That's, and that's discrimination, right? Well, it, 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 it is, It's a yeah. form of name-calling, bullying, especially if they know. Yeah, it is. Uh, the great thing with me is I've got a really good group of friends and there's been a few occasions where there's not been you know, any fights or anything, but there's been a few squaring ups and people, you know, my friends having a few words with others because um, it's not in my nature to, to go out fighting or look for a fight. But I've got some great friends who have always been there for me. Um, and I, there's a few occasions I can remember in particular in Bath, one of them. Um, I, I had a, a friend basically went out and went out to a group of about four blokes doing it. Um, and say so that they were all taunting you. Yeah, they were. All, yeah, exactly. And he, he scared them off. <laughs> So you went through this sort of discrimination and taunting at quite an early age or late teens, early 20s. I guess a lot of people would look at that and probably either bury their head in their sand, the sand, take on a victim mentality um, and, and go, gosh, you know, I can't do anything with my life because I'm a, I've got this affliction. But mm. you didn't, did you? You, you, no. you, you actually became very successful. What, tell me how, how singing really helped. I think singing gave me a, a route out of it. I think it gave me a, a purpose uh, and it was something that not only um, was I able to drive forward with in terms of a career, it was also my passion. And as I said earlier, my cure. So it was a, a rounded, um, positive influence on my whole life um, it was my outlet mm. so whenever I was feeling down or whenever I had a bad you know days of Tourette's or whatever it was my only way of releasing all that you know negative energy and I'm pleased to say that you know now that I'm gigging regularly and I have been for many years now by doing all those gigs I'm releasing it so in my home life, I'm very settled and that is very important. So I'm going to ask the obvious question now, because I guess people are going to want to say, do you not, do you tick when you sing? Does it come out when you sing? No, I don't tick when I sing. Uh, the, the ticking stops completely. And that is, that is the main reason why I love it, because it, it really does take my mind to a whole new place. Um, it, it takes me away from Tom, the one with Tourette's. I, I'm, not, I'm not that person. I, I, I genuinely believe there's two me's. So there's me, you know, talking now, the, the person who is just day to day, and then there's the Tom that's on stage. And that Tom on stage doesn't have Tourette's. And, and that is why I love it. Because it takes away the pain, the internal pain that I have all the time. I can feel it in my head now. I always have this internal pain. It's, it's a numbing sort of 
gentle pain. It's not like a horrible, you know, it, I just feel pressure in my head and in my chest. Have you talked to um, a psychologist, coach, counsellor? So I had a homeopath. That was the one thing I had. And it was a very strange time. So I'd go in with my mum. And she would, she said when I first ever went to her that the room was just spinning with my, my energy. And I remember, it was so weird, at the end of each session, she, and I mean this when I say this, it sounds crazy like witchery or something. She would put this little tub of these little herbal remedies and she'd put them, I'd hold on to my mum's hand and I'd hold on to, I think it was my stomach, and she'd put them to my stomach. And whichever one I went weak on was the one that I needed. And on no word of a lie, I went really weak. There was a certain one every time. And she'd give me this little tub of herbal remedies and I'd have to put one under my tongue before bed every night. And it made a huge difference. Now, a lot of people say that's all mental. But I genuinely mean it when I say it. I felt the difference in my body. It really relaxed me. It really did. It's all about what you believe in the end of the day because yeah, your exactly. mind is so powerful. Exactly. If your mind believes it, it's true. And I'm a great believer in alternative medicine. Mm. What I'm quite not shocked about, did the doctors not give you or, or prescribe anything at all? They did. They prescribed, because I've also got ADHD and OCD. So I love your place, by the way, because it's immaculate. Do you know what, um, I've got OCD, I swear, <laughs> as well. I could tell. <laughs> um, yeah, so they did offer me tablets. I remember there was Ritalin at the time for ADHD. And I knew quite a few children that I was friends with at school that, that was on that as well. But they were like, you know, really naughty kids. And I, I'll be honest with you, I did, me and my family decided we just wanted to do it naturally. We didn't want to go down the tablet route. I think doctors these days, they just give out, you know, antidepressants or tablets for ADHD, like they're giving out Smarties at the local 7-Eleven. And it, it, it's just so easy to get hold of tablets And now. the side effects can, yeah. can sometimes be worse than trying to cure the actual thing. It's been stuck on these things yeah. for years and years and years. What are they actually doing to your body over a prolonged time? And so we decided to do it naturally as a family. And I think my parents, my friends, my family were a great support unit. And that was my tablet, uh, along with my singing. So you mentioned your support network, which yeah. I think is fundamental, absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned your singing, but is there anything else that you um, owe to the success of where you've got to today? Well, I can certainly say I owe a lot to my parents and my family and my friends. I mentioned earlier that they've been a great help and support. But I think for where I've got today, um, it would certainly be my dad. He's instilled so much confidence into me. And I think having the confidence to overcome a disability, come out the other end and turn a passion into a career, for me, has all stemmed from the background I've had with musical theatre, which my dad has introduced me to. And then obviously he pushed me to do concerts at the age of 13, which I don't know any other 13 year old that would be confident enough to go up on stage in front of like 400 people um, for his own concert. I mean, when I look at 13 year olds now, they just seem so young. And I think, God, I was on stage, all suited and booted in a tuxedo, singing swinging jazz music. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, I can't believe I did it. Uh, and okay, I wasn't, you know, the best, but it was a learning curve and it was the start of my journey. And today I like to think that what I provide is, is a good service for my bride and grooms and my, uh, my clients. 
um, in what I do with my performing. And, and like I say, it's all stemmed from the confidence I was given from my dad. That's amazing. I mean, confidence is an amazing thing, but I think confidence comes from an inner strength that I can already feel that you have. Yes. Um, and also, you mentioned um, purpose. I haven't heard a lot of very young people, and I'm, I'm mm. not saying you know, you know, that you're very, very young, but you actually mentioned you found your purpose. Mm. Do you believe that? Do you think, okay, this is this is the right road I'm on? Yeah, I, I, yeah, 100%. I, I think as soon as I uh, found singing was a cure for my Tourette's, and it was kind of like a win-win, because people loved what I was doing. They enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. And not only that, I got to earn money from it. So there's thousands and thousands, millions of people that sit behind a desk every day, look at you and I doing what we're doing. Um, you know, you're doing your show and I'm doing my, my gigs and my singing. And I think from my point of view, that is winning in life. And I've always said, there's so many people that are in my industry for the wrong reasons. They're in it for fame and fortune. They see all these famous singers on stage and think, oh, that's what I want to do. I'll go on the X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. And okay, I've touched, you know, on those programmes before and I've been on The Voice. But that isn't why I started doing it. I started doing it because I love what I do. I love performing and I love seeing people's faces when I sing and enjoying themselves. And I get a real thrill out of that. Um, and, and I started off doing it for nothing, for free. And that's because I love it. So to, to then obviously come out the back of that, and it becomes my career is even better, even sweeter. I love it. I love it. You did mention the voice, and we have yeah. to mention that. Now, Will I Am described you, I think, as freaking awesome. I don't yeah, think did. I've got that right. Uh, yeah. What was that like? How was it like being on the voice? Because you didn't get through. How, no. did that, how did you feel? It was a very disappointing but very exciting time at the same time. So I had obviously got from, I think it was 40,000 applicants to 80 to just get on the telly, on the blind auditions. And we all know The Voice is out of the TV programmes with singing and music, probably the best, isn't it, in terms of talent. I, you know, obviously I'm not saying that myself, but I am. Yeah, we won't mention X Factor, eh? No, no, no. <laughs> so I just think in terms of talent, in terms of depth, there's a lot more on The Voice and it's a very impressive show. They don't really have what I call bad singers on there. They only have true performers and true singers. So it was a real privilege to be chosen as one of those 80. I did have a few issues. Uh, they were all great, um, but there was a, I suppose, uh, disagreement with the song that I sing for the blind audition. The producers rang me one day and they said, hey, we've got a song, Suit and Tie Justin Timberlake, but it's a, a cover version uh, that we found on YouTube and the band have started learning it. And I said, well, I haven't heard it yet. So I listened to it. And my opinion was that it was a great, great cover, but it was very backgroundy, very jazz sort of loungy, mm. almost like a restaurant style song in the background, you know, a nice, pleasant song in the background. So I rang them back and I said, look, I've had a listen to this song and I don't like it. I don't think it's got enough in it for me to show off what I can do vocally. But they don't, they, you know, they basically turned around and said, it's basically either that or not, not be on the show. So. I thought, well, they always say any publicity is good publicity. Mm -hmm. And to be on a show, which at the time I think was the most viewed show in the country on any TV programme or TV channel. So I thought, well, I can't miss the opportunity, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to. So I suppose 
that's not a great way of looking at it because I suppose I wasn't fully positive about the whole performance. Although I did go into it and I did do my best. But I remember five minutes before, they literally gave me, a, my singing coach gave me a warm-up and we changed the ending. Oh no, five minutes before. Five minutes before. The worst thing I could have done. I said to her, I need to add a big note in at the end. And I ended up not doing it. And it just went silent at the end. And I had no turns and that note could have done it. And I don't know whether it had, would have or not. But that could have been a defining moment. And I always look back at that and I always think, well, if you watch the video on YouTube, you'll see, see my face and it just drops. And I'm so disappointed. So a lot of people would have let that disappointment get them down. Um, maybe it would have put the, the end to their singing career. But you didn't do that, did you? No, you went on and you put yourself forward for lots of different things. Uh, tell me about those. Well, I've done the uh, well a documentary on BBC Three with Reggie Yates. That was actually before The Voice. That was in 2012. Um, I got to wear some lovely pink trousers and sing at the Riverside Studios in Hammersmith. Uh, and I got to meet Aloe Black and actually perform his song, I Need a Dollar, which was lovely. Um, so that was a good experience. But after that, I have dabbled in um, a couple of other auditions, which haven't, for one reason or another, happened. Recently had a, um, uh, an interview with Come Dine With Me, had a few with them. Uh, they narrowed us down to 10. And then there was five that they needed for the show, and I happens to be the reserve. So unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, but again, I don't know; it phased me. Uh, what keeps you going? Because look, you, you, clearly Tourette's hasn't stopped you. No. Um, and uh, you know, disappointments like The Voice hasn't stopped you. You're still going. What do you think you've got inside that's, that's driving you? I think it is a just it is just sheer drive and passion. I really do think that. I love to entertain. And I have so many people come up to me at the end of a gig and they always say, um, you know, you're, you're too good for this. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. That's what they say. They say, you're too good for this. You should be on the big stage. And I've always had people say that. I mean, oh, there's a lot of great talent out there. Don't get me wrong. And I'm just one of many. Um, I never ever like to say it myself. I like people to give me the positive feedback. And I take that on board, but I'm always very humble with it. So I have always had this, this feedback and I've always thought at some point I've got to have this break. Um, so obviously I've been writing music, I've got an EP just released. And my hope is, is that if I keep, you know, get, um, keep working away, uh, eventually I will get to a point where, you know, that break will happen. I'll, I'll have a bit of luck that I need because obviously we know a bit of luck is needed as well. And hopefully I, grasp the opportunity with both hands when it does come and progress in, in the music world. I've got no doubt it will come because you are so, you've got such de determination. What advice would you give to others that are maybe watching this and they might not have Tourette's but maybe other obstacles in their life and stopping mm. them having their dream? You got any advice for them? I think my advice for anyone who's experiencing uh, a problem or something that, that you know, doesn't feel quite right to them. I mean, obviously, you know, people have disabilities, a whole range of disabilities. It could even be someone's, you know, a man or male, but they want to be a female. You know, there's so many reasons why people could be going through these difficult times. But my, I mean, I've got a song out about it called Being You. Uh, and I love the song because it is 
exactly what I'm about to say. So basically, stick your middle finger up to society and the way people want you to be and just say, F you, I'm being me for me. And either you like me or you don't. And yeah, just be yourself. Don't, don't, don't worry about what other people think. Just if they're on your bus, on your journey, jump on the bus. But if they want to get off, they can. I love that, Tom. And you've just described true confidence. Yeah. Tom, I can't believe we've all got, already got through our interview and I can't wait to hear you sing. But before we do, I've come to my last question. And that is, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would the message be? Well, I've kind of just touched on it really, I suppose. And that is what I last said, which is, um, you know, if, if people want to be on your journey, on your bus, then they can jump on, on board. But if they don't want to be on your bus, then they can get off. And that, that for me is, is my life. That's how I live my life, um, you know, haters and lovers. I'm a lover, and I want all the lovers on my bus with well, me. Well, I'd be on your <laughs> bus with you. Tom, thank you so <laughs> thank much you. for being a guest for on me. my show. Thank, thank you. you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.